Send greetings to you from Chiesa Riformata del Trasimeno in Umbria, Italy. And I want to thank the elders for the privilege to be able to bring to God's word to you today. Thank you. Let's begin with 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. This is God's word. And David said, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant? And how that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I am. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce. And your master's grandson shall have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all my lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your word. We acknowledge that our minds are slow and weak, and we acknowledge that we desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit. Open our eyes that we would behold wondrous things from your word. Grant us grace that we may put your word into practice in our lives. To you be the glory 
now and forever. We pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, back in Italy, I, went, I finished an appointment, and I went to a local coffee bar for a cafe. And I was watching, seeing that there was not the usual program on. Instead, there was the royal wedding. It was a royal wedding, so this is a number of years back. And obviously, I saw that the two people were in love, but also that the, mat- the, the matrimony, that although they were in love, it was um, put together in terms of legal terms of a um, commitment one to the other with their vows and with the purpose of marriage. So it was not just a feeling of love, but it was actually it was a covenant where one was committed to the other in holy matrimony. Now, many of you are also married and have the same commitment and love. You love one another, but you married one another with a covenant, with promises, one toward the other. For life, And we see in this text this morning, uh, brethren, that David, in loving Mephibosheth because of Jonathan, provides a symbol or a mirror of the love of the Father for us because of Christ. God has a faithful love for His people that is expressed in a covenant with His Son, And he has this faithful love that he will carry out toward each one of us for Christ's sake. So faithful love is sovereignly initiated. It is humbly received. And it is abundantly enjoyed. And so in the first place, we want to look at verses 1 through 5 and see that faithful love is sovereignly initiated. So David sends out a request. He's... He asked the question, he said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2, Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. So David sends out this request, and Ziba comes. And the king said to, to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not someone of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lodibar. King David sent and brought him to the house of Machir, son of Amiel, at Lodibar. And so we see that David is sending forth, he is the one who is initiating this search for someone to whom he can show the kindness of God or this faithful love that he can show toward somebody in the house of Saul. If we remember that Saul was the first king in Israel before David, Saul, however, strayed from the Lord and was no longer with him. Instead, 
His favor was with, God's favor was with David instead. Saul envied and hated David. He sought to kill him. But David remained faithful to the Lord and would not touch the anointed of the Lord in fear of the fear of God. In fact, he tried to, um, we saw that, we already saw that he tried to kill him several times. That Saul tried to kill David several times. And Saul's house was technically an enemy to David, a threat. So Jonathan was the son of, of King Saul and David's best friend. In fact, he helped David overcome the threat to his life. We read a little bit about this covenant that they had together in 1 Samuel 20, 14 to 17. In verse 14. If I'm, if I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love for my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So the time has passed. Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. Technically, the threats against David and his kingdom have been removed. And we see that David then is pondering and reflecting upon all that has come to pass. And he is remembering his promise that he made to his best friend, Jonathan. And so he's interested in fulfilling his promise that he made to Jonathan. And thus we see an example, the, the nature of this love, this faithful love, in the person of David. And so David, we first of all see, brethren, is a man of his word. That which he promises, he does. And we see that David continues to remember his faithful promise, his promise, and he's going to fulfill it. He's seeking out, he's the one who's initiating all the resources, all the the things to fulfill this promise as he sends out for Ziba. And if we remember all of ourselves, um, brethren, we are not men of our word, are we? We promise, and we promise, and we promise, and yet we do not fulfill that which we say. We forget. Yet, David was a man of his word. And we know that the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ, indeed is a man of his word. He is a faithful savior. He is one who fulfills all that he said and all that he came to do. He's a faithful Israelite. So Mephibosheth is searched out, and the king said to him, to Zebi, said, where is he? And he told him where he is in the, in the house of Machir. And so David sought out for him. And we note something very important here in the text. I don't know if you noticed it, but in verse 3, and then in verse 13, two times is mentioned the fact that Mephibosheth is a man with crooked feet. Okay, so he's, he's not the type of guy that you're going to search out. He's going to be your, your example, your top model, you could say. He has his defects, 
And so the Holy Spirit is underlining for us these defects in, the, in um, Mephibosheth. He's a man, you would think maybe a man who's worthy of the blessing of the king and the love of the king is one who is valiant, who is muscular, who is tall like Saul. But no, instead you have one who is um, disfigured, one who is not seeming to be worthy of the blessing of the king. But David made a promise. And so David here is fulfilling that promise and the Holy Spirit underlines for us, has done so, telling us about Mephibosheth. He is in a sense a man without, without strength, a man who is disfigured, a man who is on the outside. And brethren, how much more when we consider this do we see ourselves in the person of Mephibosheth? Are we not those who are spiritually deformed? Are we not those who are on the outside? Can we really um, lift ourselves up as the ultimate example? Or do we see our own defects very easily? Do we understand that we are all spiritual Mephibosheths? We are all those who do not deserve even the least of God's mercies. In fact, we have earned the contrary. So, so we see here in Mephibosheth a picture even of ourselves. One who is without force. One who is without hope. In fact, we think a little bit further. Mephibosheth deserved to die. He was in the house of Saul, the enemy of David. Would you let your enemy into your tent? Would you let him into your home, into your table? But yet David had promised to love Jonathan and his house. And so David here is fulfilling that promise. And he seeks to bless. He seeks to, to love Mephibosheth, although Mephibosheth is not worthy of the least of David's mercies. And is this not a picture of how God searches us out, brethren? We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are unworthy of the least of God's mercies. We do not deserve His love. And yet God in His great love so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have life everlasting. And this is a picture for us of what God has done for us in the gospel in Jesus Christ. God has searched us out while we were dead, while we were erring, while we were going our own way, like we were, we were like sheep that went astray. We were deserving of judgment. We did not desire God. We did not want God. We were cursing Him with our lives and maybe with our tongues. And yet God sought us out. He sent the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. He searched us out in the mire, in the dirt of this life, and He gave us life. And He revived us. He made us alive in Christ. And so we see that David then is doing this very act to Mephibosheth, to one who is unworthy, one who is, um, who is weak, one who does not deserve For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power 
of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. For in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So dear brethren, if God has loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. And so we see here David loves Mephibosheth. And there is no reason that he should do so apart from his promise that he made. And yet he seeks to love him, to bless him. He seeks him out. He initiates this love. Just as God initiates his love toward us. We did not first reach out to God. God first sought us out through various providences, through by the work of his spirit and through his word. But God sought us out. And so we see this love exemplified in the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see then that this love, this faithful love, is humbly acknowledged in verses 6 through 8. Look with me at the text, please. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you the kindness, show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he, and he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I am? And so we see that Mephibosheth comes and he comes and he acknowledges David's request to come. But there is a humility in acknowledging this love. And we see that David or that Mephibosheth shows this in his posture and in his language. Just as we, brethren, acknowledge God's love, we, we ask the question, why should God even care about a, a sinner, a bumbling sinner such as I am? Why should he even care? And yet he does. He loves. He's faithful. He does not abandon me. He loves me to the end. And so this is what how we respond by the work of the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that who we are, we're undeserving, We acknowledge that God initiated it. He didn't have to. And we acknowledge that we are dead dogs, spiritually speaking. And so Mephibosheth acknowledges David as he is, as king. Even as we acknowledge our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as King of kings and Lord of lords. He he rules sovereignly over our lives. And even as Mephibosheth is comforted in verse 7 so it is that we hear the gospel when we are we are entreated by our lord the first words that we hear are peace do not fear for i have gone to the cross i have died for you for your sins it is finished and we rest in that and our souls are peace at peace because we know that we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so we rest in that. We, we humbly acknowledge this faithful love toward us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Mephibosheth is, he marvels at this love. He marvels at it. If we look at, we read verse 8 already, when he said, What is your servant that you should show regard for such a dead dog such as I? So note he says, your servant. He acknowledges who is, who is the one who is sovereign, who is the one who is Lord. It is David. He then also, he marvels at this. He said, who am I? And so, you know, a dead dog. Who am I? I don't deserve this. Why, why, why are you calling me? Why don't you call the other guy? Why don't you call somebody else? And brethren, is that not our response to the gospel? Do we not marvel when we ponder what has happened? That God has sent His Son to die, to willingly die at the cross for us? And we ask ourselves, why me? Why did He, why did he choose me? Why did He love me? Why did He send His Son to die for me? We marvel at the grace of God in Christ. We marvel at the gospel. We marvel that we have such a Savior and that He should give Himself for me personally. And so this is the same marvel that we ought to have as we respond to the gospel. So brethren, when was the last time you marveled at the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God should so love you? I don't mean it's just to say that, oh, when's the last time you, you loved, you thought about that? But I'm saying that we should find great joy, great, great joy and delight and thinking, wow, the God of heaven, a holy God, He loved me? You mean He really loved me? And how do I know that? Because He sent His Son to the cross. And there at the cross, Jesus voluntarily gave Himself. He gave His all. And He died. And He was buried. And how do I know this is all true? Because He rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. He's not a liar. He's a true and faithful Savior. He loved me. He gave everything necessary for my salvation. And I know that and I can rest on that. And that gives me great comfort and great joy. And it causes me to marvel even more at what happened at Calvary. And so, we receive this love. We, we acknowledge this, this faithful love. We realize that God and His covenant with the Son carried out this covenant. We realize that if He finished this work, or if He began this work in me, He will finish it until the day of Christ Jesus. We can be sure of that. We can, be, we can rest on that. And we know that He's going to continue to provide for, for us. But not only is faithful love initiated sovereignly, and not only is it humbly acknowledged, but it's also abundantly joy, enjoyed. Verses 7 through 13. And let's look at our text again. 7 through 13. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you the kindness, you kindness, for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, 
What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And so we see here, not only is it acknowledged, but it's abundantly enjoyed. And here, in abundantly enjoyed, we see four things particularly. We see there is restoration, verse 7. We see there is provision, verse 10. And we see finally there is communion. These are the things, these are the ways in which this love, this faithful love is expressed specifically to Mephibosheth. And so he says he's going to restore all the land of Saul, his grandfather. He says then that that the servants are going to work the land and bring all the harvest so that he would have something to eat. And he's going to have this continual communion. He's going to eat at the king's table forever. And so we see these things here in verses 7 through 13. Mephibosheth doesn't deserve the land. He doesn't deserve the fruit of the land. But you see how David's love is going to be expressed in providing every need for this crippled Mephibosheth. He's going to provide for him. He's going to be with him. He's going to be present with him to protect him, but also give him to eat. And brethren, does this not picture for us the doctrine of adoption in Jesus Christ? Our catechism says, what is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. And so this is what our Lord does for us. This is pictured here in the relationship of David toward with um, Mephibosheth. And we know from Romans eight seventeen that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. God restores that which was lost in Adam and that which we lost in Adam we regain in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. We have purpose in life. We have reconciliation with God. God provides for our spiritual and physical needs here and for eternity. God himself is with us and we are with him forever. We have sweet communion forever. We are at his table forever and we are in Christ and with one another forever and ever. We have an eternal banquet to look forward to with our Lord and with one another. And so now we have food, protection, we have fellowship. We have a picture for us wonderfully in the Lord's Supper, this fellowship. We have the preaching of God's word. We have uh, the various means of grace. We have direct access to the Father We're able to study his word. We're in a country where we can freely worship God. And so these are great blessings that he has provided in his providence for us as well. But brethren, think about this faithful love and how it is enjoyed in the gospel. We have eternal life now and we have it forevermore. God's spirit is dwelling within us. We have his word. And though we might have doubts in our various providences of our life, we know that this faithful love is forever and ever. It does not fail. 
it will not end, even as God is eternal and unchangeable in His being, even so in His great love, He will not change. He will not change His mind. He will not change His covenant. He will love us faithfully in Jesus Christ to the end and forevermore. Amen. Brethren, let us um, take a moment to meditate on these things. And I want to give one, one word of, of exhortation. Think, in our in time of meditation here, think of how you are going to be an imitator of God as a dear child, and how you are going to imitate this sovereign love. To whom can you show the love of God for Christ's sake? Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a brother or sister. And so determine today that for Christ's sake, you are going to show the love of God to somebody and that you are going to do so in a tangible way by God's grace. Let us meditate.